Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. It is that time again. Week 105, the week we put pussy on Wesley's menu. <laughs> I believe is what this one is called. I love when you pitch the episode title right up at the top. <laughs> well, I usually jot down 10 or 15 that are better during the during the episode. Um, keep, make sure you keep all those notes, which I know you're writing on paper. Oh, yeah, I never uh, throw these notebooks away. Someone will find them after I'm dead, for sure. Yeah, that's museum shit someday. Someone will turn it to a page and say, well, I see a bunch of stuff, and the word Spock's rocks is underlined, <laughs> so. <sighs> Here's how this project works. We did it. I mean, three weeks ago in real time, we talked about four. Oh, no, it was three. Just three other Star Trek episodes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you'd think again every 20 episodes or so i say you'd think we'd have this down by now the part where we describe no. <laughs> what this show is but it's so dumb it's such a dumb idea and we're dumb and everything about it is stupid anyway we compared all of the 104th episodes against each other and uh, the loser that week was voyager so we're gonna start off this week by talking about voyager that's in an attempt for us to still have some energy when it gets to the really bad ones but uh yeah yeah we'll see hey this week, the Voyager episode that we watched is called Bride of Chaotica. Voyager. <laughs> well, Harry and Tom are playing the latest chapter of Captain Proton. That chapter is called Bride of Chaotica. And creepy old Harry Kim can't wait to get to Chaotica's harem for some dubious consent play with slave girls. Mm-hmm. Hey, did they but bring those? Uh, did they bring those goofy twins along this time? They did not bring okay. the Delaney twins, which is how you know shenanigans were planned. Oh, okay, good. Like Tom Paris wants to play this whole dumb thing out. Harry Kim just wants to get to that harem. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He can't do that with those girls watching him. Yeah. So you know how it was sold. Well, after a couple of jabs about how cheap all the Star Trek sets are, the place shakes around, and all of a sudden, in this black and white world, there's a colorful hole, floating disc anomaly. Some kind of space hole. Exactly. This one's mostly in uh, purples and reds. And as you'd expect, whatever happened to cause this hole also took the holodeck controls offline, and also... No one answers when they call the bridge. Yeah. So it seems like they're going to be stuck in there, but no, it's even worse. Anyway, turns out gravimetric forces have pulled Voyager out of warp speed, and systems all over the ship are offline. And Voyager is stuck in a subspace layer. Uh-huh. And can't move. So it's kind of like they hit a quantum filament. Oh, or a cosmic string. Or a cosmic string. 
or they're trapped in some two-dimensional entities. They don't look and see if any of those things are true, by the way. <laughs> no, they don't do it. They don't check the book. This is books. not one where Janeway's like, I remember from Picard's logs when, etc. Oh, yes, I had to read about it at the Academy. That doesn't make sense from a timing perspective. Still, I still read about it. Um, Back in the holodeck, there are now three of these weird distortions. Mm. Uh, which I guess is supposed to turn up the stakes, but later I don't think it makes any sense, and there's no reason for them to for there to be more than one. But it doesn't matter. the 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 way they get out of the holodeck is Tom Paris manages. He can't control anything in the holodeck, but he can set up a site to site transport within the ship somehow oh. from within the holodeck. So they just beam out. Okay. In astrometrics. Uh, there's a, we get to see a little depiction of, you know, I guess regular space with like a subspace river penetrating it. Sure. Something like that. They, uh, the analogy they make is that it's like having run aground on a sandbar. They didn't say it's like getting stuck in the Suez Canal. They did not say it was like getting stuck in the Suez Canal. It's too bad. They should have known about metaphor that. Metaphor for a different time. Um... They decide to try the old barely use the thrusters at all trick from Booby Trap. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that worked once. Meanwhile, a couple of uh, balls of light fall out of these rifts in the holodeck, and they take the form of two 1930s dipshits in suits. <laughs> and then these two chodes immediately get captured by, uh, you know, Chaotica's evil Henchman. goon. Hold on, his name is in here somewhere. Lonzak. Oh, okay. It's not a good name. Sounds uh, sounds like he's Yugoslav or something. Yeah. Well, we have to watch kind of a lot of hollow novel scenes that have literally none of the Voyager cast in them, which I don't love. No one that we care about is there to see this, but there's a lot of holodeck stuff going on. I didn't ask in my notes later, so I'll just ask it here. How did those guys know? To dress like it was the 30s. Hey. Because, I mean, Captain Proton may have, may be a 30s style sci-fi, but it doesn't take place in the 30s. It must be some kind of future. I mean, later when we see the president of Earth. He's dressed like His suit is kind of similar. He doesn't have a jaunty hat, but does he have a hat? Yeah, he does. How did those guys Matrix know to, like, do that? (laughs) I just want to uh-huh. ask some questions about the light guys, because I don't think anyone asks any questions about them. It doesn't matter, and it also serves no purpose. No one in the show ever comments on it. Uh, Chaotica doesn't say, hey, those are some neat suits. I <laughs> definitely believe that you are... Uh, <laughs> that you're from whatever, or it's like... it. It serves no purpose. It's just there to confuse us. Yeah. Okay. And I've, when they would listen, when they dropped out of there, my first immediate thought was, and these guys, did Dixon Hill leak into this program? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It was just like when um, the, what's the, the Herogen were running all the holodeck programs at the same exactly. time. Yeah. Yeah. Because listen, I'm, I'm not proud of it. In fact, I'm, I'm deeply embarrassed, but I can't really tell suits from the 1930s from suits from the 1940s. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. That's um, don't tell anyone else that though. Just keep that between us because that is embarrassing. 
Well, these two suits claim to be explorers from another dimension who are attempting to make contact with other photonic life forms. Cool. Uh, I immediately thought of one, but it took the show kind of a long time to get around to it. Yeah. Anyway, Chaotica, and who cares about any of this, ices one of the two suits, and the other one, I guess, beams out. And then Chaotica starts planning an invasion of the fifth dimension. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in Voyager, the show that we're watching, the ship almost manages to creep out of this subspace sandbar or whatever, but then gets pulled back in. And Tuvok starts detecting weapons fire inside the holodeck. Uh-oh. Uh, so he and Tom Paris go back in. They find the place all wrecked up. Do they still have the safeties uh, on? Because, again, during the Herogen thing, it was very scary when the safeties were off and things were exploding in there. Uh, the answer is yes. Okay. The safeties are still on. So they're not in any danger, and they mentioned several times that photonic weapons can't hurt them, mm-hmm. which I think is weird because um, a laser could hurt them. A laser could hurt them could hurt them for sure, and then also oftentimes on the holodeck, a whoopsie happens and someone gets blasted. So yeah, For real, yeah. But not this week. Uh, instead, this week, Tom Paris fixes up Satan's robot, who immediately starts screaming about invaders from the fifth dimension, and Tom Paris isn't embarrassed about any of it. No. Even Just, when uh, Janeway is mugging at him the whole time when he's in like the observation lounge or the uh-huh. meeting room or whatever. Just, just never, zero shame in his game. Yeah, he never becomes embarrassed. He just keeps digging himself deeper about how fucking into this program he is. Um, but the portals in the holodeck have started firing photonic charges at Chaotica's weird castle. One of the aliens busts in on uh, Tuvok and Teeps and uh, Captain Proton's rocket and... Uh, promptly reveals that he thinks all life is photonic and that Paris and Tuvok are the illusions. Mm -hmm. You know, opposite day. Yeah. So now it's time to send in Schmullis. But uh, also, it's a weird two-part plan because Tom Paris still really wants to play Captain Proton. Yeah. So, like, he's got, you know... He's got the uh, imagination equivalent of blue balls where he really needed to see this thing play out. Uh-huh. Or maybe he's just trying to get to that harem scene. But he's going to send Schmollis in to pretend to be the president of Earth to negotiate with the actual aliens. And in the meantime, he's going to get in Captain Proton's rocket and, by the way, put the outfit back on. He needs to. Otherwise, he can't make the rocket go. Right. And destroy... Uh, destroy uh, Chaoticus Death Ray with his own Destructo Beam. Yep. Not embarrassed at all. No. Uh, he has to explain the whole dipshit universe to everyone in the conference room and convince Janeway to cosplay as Arachnia, Queen of the Spider People. And like you said, uh, although peop- everyone is openly laughing at him and uh, making a lot of fun of the whole situation and telling and even making fun of Janeway a little bit yep. and telling her that she's going to get to make first contact with the fifth dimension or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, not embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, actually, he's, he's Space Ghost in this whole thing, asking about the knowledge <laughs> crystals. Uh-huh. And the knowledge crystals? <laughs> that's his, that's TP's role in this show. Uh... 
Janeway dresses up, goes in, gets the grand tour of Chaotica's lab. She's not like, um, she's not real subtle in this role. It's all, how do I disable the lightning shield? When are we going to disable the lightning shield? <laughs> I think she oh, thinks you kept... that because he's a holodeck program, he's going to be pretty dumb. And yeah, she's right. Exactly. She she treats him the same way she treats Schmollis, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, you kept the pheromones that give me total control over you. Um, but then the whole thing is not very subtle, so whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, Schmollis gets uh, the guy in the suit to agree to stop firing his own harmful rays while Captain Proton makes his big run. Uh, Teeps tells Harry Kim he's going to delete the whole program when this is over, but does anyone believe him? Nope, not even a no. little. I, God, I wish, though. I really hope that it ends up being true, but I don't believe it. Janeway pulls a gun on Chaotica to stop him from blasting Captain Proton's rocket out of the sky. Um, but it just exactly, exactly the thing that Tom Paris warned her was going to happen happens where she just immediately gets caught in a weird trap. Yeah, she stood like, on his logo. Yeah, to be honest, I don't think she was paying attention at all when he said that stuff about <laughs> how this guy is going to have a trap door or he's going to try to incapacitate you. And it's gonna, anyway, that's exactly what happens. So mm-hmm. she has to use the dumb pheromones to take control of Lonzac. Uh, meanwhile, for for reasons that are not explained at all, all of the weapons fire happening in the holodeck is pulling Voyager deeper into subspace. <laughs> I hope it gets lost there. God, there's so many things this week in all the episodes where you're just like, I wish someone had taken a run at explaining this. It'd be great. Yeah. Uh, once she's got control of Lonzak, she forces Chaotica to power down the lightning shield. Then she just blasts him because none of this matters to her. Yeah, she'll fucking kill him all day. She doesn't even think the doctor's a person. Exactly. Uh, Proton fires his destructo beam. The distortions close and Voyager moves off out of the subspace field. Then Janeway asks Chakotay if she can have a minute to say goodbye to Chaotica. <sighs> what? Why? I don't know. They don't know. And anyway, the end. Good. Thank God. So, Matthew, what was Bride of Chaotica about? Well, Ben says, "What if the simulation is reality and we are the simulation?" Got it. Got it. He's really playing on opposite day. Yeah, I didn't really think that's what it was about, but um, that's what he is saying here because of when the light guys said, "No, no, we're the life forms." <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're nothing, and that's enough, I guess. Um, he gave that a three. I said, it's difficult to relate to people without any common frame of reference. This is mm. all a big whoopsie. These guys stepped into this hollow fantasy and they know nothing about Earth, so it's hard to do anything but play along until, like, until it gets better and you can make a meaningful relationship like that. I'm trying to think what the closest example could be in real life. Like, bringing somebody unconscious from a protected place in the Amazon or on some island and waking them up in the middle of, like, an NBA Finals game. (laughs) And then just trying to see if there's, like... I don't know. Is there any value to this take beyond the theoretical? I think the answer is no. It's a one for me. Um, first of all, that's a great pitch for a script. <laughs> Just take some dudes out of the Amazon. Yeah, like it's half Encino Man, half uh-huh. the gods must be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, just like 
just what would ha- like first of all would they be able to do like sick layups oh just uh, like, after observing I, what if the guy who did it what if their theory was that they would be able to do like hella sweet dunks and then you're like okay but the guy you brought is five foot six so how <laughs> it's kind of the problem you think that guy's gonna be able to do a sweet dunk like did you even look for the tallest one <laughs> anyway great premise yeah um okay is the take for this episode i know you love that that's a question mm. media is dumb but it'll be over sooner if you play along Ooh, well that's that wouldn't be good for sure so all there's a lot of winking throughout this episode that suggests that Captain Proton is Star Trek Voyager. Uh-huh. When Harry Kim's like, huh, it's like the same cave set every week. Mm-hmm. Or when uh, Tom Paris is like, well, this is how humans of the past thought the future would be, etc. Right? Yeah. Like... We're establishing an equivalence between this dumb Flash Gordon knockoff and actual Voyager. And Janeway rolls her eyes a lot, but in the end, everyone has to get down into the space, get down and play in the space to save the ship. So is this episode saying, Matthew, Uh. don't worry about it. Just turn off your brain and come along for the ride? Because pretty soon seven days will be on. Yeah. This is the fastest route to seven days. Is, that what is it saying, saying, we know this show is dumb, yeah. but everything is dumb, and why do you care? What Do you ex- do you have any right to expect any better than this? Hmm. And well, I just, I'm very worried that the show actively works to establish a parallel between Captain Proton and itself. <laughs> if this was the take, what would that be worth to you? Oh, one point. Okay. <laughs> Because I absolutely would rather have TV that you could engage with without having to play in the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It wouldn't be worth much for them to go, Star Trek's kind of dumb, huh? But, you know, it's not so bad. <laughs> That's That would be nothing. So, it is a one from me also. Great start. Fantastic start. Two points right up top. I was very glad when you got to describe this one, and then when I was watching it, I was even more glad, because, like, it's... Just describing the plot of this episode is very dull, because it's basically just back and forth between the bridge where nothing's happening, and a run-of-the-mill Captain Proton episode. I think if you cast your mind back, you'll realize basically no scenes take place on the bridge. Yeah, they just, like, um, they check in. With, pe- with the people yeah, it, who are not on the Even that proton. is mostly in Astrometrics or the Observation Lounge. Sure. Matthew, the reason that they wrote this show is because the bridge set was damaged in a fire. And they <laughs> needed a bottle episode where most of it was not on the bridge. Did, they, did one of their sparky uh, uh, console stunts go bad or something? I will tell you that the Memory Alpha article did not explain how the bridge set got damaged in a fire. Okay. I just wanted you to know how this great piece of art was born. Yeah, it's, yeah. That they literally, they needed to write a show that mostly wasn't on the bridge. Well, I was unable to shut my brain off completely, but um, it sounds like it would have helped. What about uh, execution? How, how'd they do? Um, well, in the first place, the serials that are being lovingly mocked here. 
yeah. Flash Gordon, etc., were already 60 years old when this show was made. Yep. Now it's more like 90. Yep. Who is this fun for? I don't know. Could the Star Trek writers be so out of touch that they thought this was a meaningful reference to somebody? Well, yeah. You think, when you when you imagine the Star Trek writers' room, uh, well, the Voyager writers' room, you're imagining middle-aged dudes, right? Mm-hmm. In their late 30s to early 50s, probably. Yeah. So, this is, it's not even authentic nostalgia for them. No. It's dumb TV production nostalgia or you know what I mean? Like yeah, I the, love old Hollywood. It's this is the artist or whatever that silent movie was. Sure. Or any of them, any of the movies about right. Hollywood that then win all the awards. Cause they're about making movies. Uh huh. Yeah. It's that kind of nostalgia. Yeah. So how was this ever supposed to be fun for regular people? I don't feel like there was too many, Late 70s and early 80-year-olds watching Voyager. (laughs) Just a guess. Just if I had to guess. Like, those are probably the exact people who would have been a woman in command of a ship? Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Too far for me. Yeah. So that sucks. Who who could this possibly have been fun for? Then, they do not do a good job of explaining why they can't shut down the holodeck. No. Like, I get... That control control systems are going out all over the ship. Can you unplug it, though? Yeah. There's got to be... Somehow power gets in there. Yeah. And I know that that's its own problem in Voyager. But, like... Why don't they... How come they can't... (laughs) (laughs) Smash the fucking Matrix? Yeah, why? Why can't they they do that? And because if theoretically what's going on in the holodeck is making their real life problems worse, then that would that would solve that, wouldn't it? Yeah, and like, from the perspective of these other aliens, what would that be like? Ah, there was some photonic life there, but uh, it seems to be gone. Gone. We'll keep uh, going on our way, looking for more. All right. Uh, Why do they make no effort at all at first contact with these aliens? Is it because they're almost out of toilets and Janeway doesn't want to wait around? <laughs> That's part of it, for sure. Uh, there's a throwaway line. Well, basically, the guy's like, you guys are fake, and then he leaves. And then the next time TP talks to Janeway or whoever, he's like, they didn't even think we were real. Which I guess is the excuse that they make for not trying to like do their entire fucking job as Starfleet officers and make first contact with these dudes. But, like, you have to imagine that she gets home and deep, buried deep in all of her reports of her quest to to get Voyager back to Earth is, oh, yeah, we got stuck in a layer of subspace that was populated entirely by photonic life. Sounds like something uh, someone should be interested in, for sure. Yeah. Anyway. In-universe. What? When, when they say to Janeway, all right, well, you can get out of there now. Why does she ask for a couple more minutes? <laughs> I don't know at all. I have no idea what was supposed to be happening in there. Did she know that at the end credits were going to play on that round TV and that that would be a nice bookend with the <laughs> uh, teaser for the chapter that was the start of the episode? Did uh, she have the script is what I'm asking? Was Lonzak still alive? I don't remember. Nah, Lonzak got cold iced. Okay. I don't know. I thought maybe she was going to get down with him. I don't know. I can't say. Um, so, you know, clearly the producers think that Flash Gordon is neat and Kate Mulgrew enjoys hamming it up. But otherwise, this episode is nothing. I gave it a two for execution. Yeah. 
Uh, ben agreed. He gave it a two. He says, uh, in the end, they just bugger off, even though Chaotica has killed almost three score of these. Uh... Oh, he's talking about the tele- the yeah. photonic life forms. They just leave in the end, even though Chaotica has killed a bunch of them. Yeah, they agree to Schmollis' plan to stop shooting so that uh, Tom Paris can destroy Chaotica, and then they just fucking leave. Mm-hmm. It is just like, uh, the distortions are gone. We can leave now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Again, no one in the episode gave any thought to their actions, for sure. Um, Okay, so this episode was obviously a personal attack on you, uh, (laughs) Judah, perpetrated in the Uh late 90s. With the intent of ruining your affections for all science fiction. so Not I, noticing that I had already stopped watching Voyager. <laughs> so I, my question, I guess, was just, are you going to stand by and do nothing? Like, what's your response to this <laughs> heinous insult that they've thrown your way? Well, in, in response to this episode, Matthew, I have been dragging Voyager's name through the mud for <laughs> conservatively 500 hours now. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Uh, I guess this was supposed to be a silly romp. There's certainly nothing to learn or take away. Um, they don't do any diplomacy or learn anything about these life forms. They say it's impossible to communicate with them because they don't think, because those guys don't think that they're real, but they don't make any effort. It's just like a bunch of tricks, just a bunch of holodeck tricks against some holodeck bad guys, and it's just dress up time for the crew. So, pretty boring. I paired my initial one with another one. It's got <laughs> snake eyes so far. Oh, you love seeing snake eyes. Um, but maybe this did really good in world building. After all, it introduces an entire new dimension. Sure, yeah. Um, so this uh, Captain Proton business is more episodic holodeck content, kind of like Flotter or... Um, I don't know. I imagine what Janeway was up to was probably episodic too with those Victorian kids. Uh, they entered a layer of subspace which disrupted the warp drive, but also held them entirely in place. Did the immediate deceleration not turn the ship into confetti for some reason? Good question. Can you go from warp whatever to just stopped entirely and everyone's just kind of cool? Anyway. Yeah, I don't know that we've ever seen a deceleration out of warp. It's... It seems like warp warp drive itself works differently from newtonian mechanics right so maybe they but, can't, maybe there isn't yeah. any um inertia or whatever well i mean something happened because the ship did shake around it shook a little bit it's true maybe that was just uh you know the they tried to use the impulse engines or something anyway they called this thing a subspace sandbar like you said earlier um these photonic life forms, they can perceive what happens on the holodeck and can even be killed there. Bolians do stereotypically bad bathroom stuff? <laughs> I don't know. Yes. You and Ben both interpreted that little throwaway as saying that the Bolians just shit up the bathroom <laughs> real bad. Uh, I don't know what he meant by it. Otherwise, Neelix says something about how that, bad it is that we're only down to a couple of bathrooms. And then he's like, especially, especially for the, for the bullions. Bullions. I was like, what does it mean? 
Yeah, does that seam on the top of their head open up? Is that how they do it? Or <laughs> do they just need to shit like six times as often? Like I don't know. Maybe they just yeah, exactly. What he's trying to say, but he he said something about them and bathroom stuff. Everyone knows when a bolian has to drop a deuce, they're on a ninety second clock. So <laughs> that's right. Uh, TP thinks the sensors on his fake rocket ship will be more helpful than Voyager's. But all he does when he gets there is read the fucking ticker tape. Yeah. So I don't know why he insisted that they had to go there and look at the sensors. It's a good good point. Um, I gave it two points for this new photonic life form that I assume we will never hear about again. Yeah, Ben did too. He asked if the doctor was going into harm's ray, harm's way rather from the death ray. If it was photonic weaponry, mm-hmm. same thing. What was going? Was it with Bolian toilet behaviors? <laughs> uh, the holodeck keeps running while no one's in there. Yeah. Um. Uh, I have Bolian's poop weird, same as you guys, Duh. and then I have uh, photonic beings exist in another dimension, but we'll never see them again. Seems likely. Um, but the difference between me and you guys is that I only think that's worth one. <laughs> I mean, it's not unfair. I, I mean, that seems fair. I don't know. Um, you know, they never addressed Matthew, whether Janeway's personal toilet and shower were working. <clears throat> well, her personal replicator must not be because she goes to Neelix for that coffee, but I don't know that about her true. turlet. She did seem surprised to learn about the turlet. So maybe hers is right. still functioning. Do you think Neelix was telling her that to give her an opportunity to volunteer her own turlet <laughs> yeah, and luck, also buddy. the turlet attached to her ready room? Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, he knows she's personally sitting on two gold turlets. <laughs> I let Chakotay use one sometimes, but otherwise they're both for me. Um, But yeah, I, I did wonder that. I huh, wonder if hers is still working. Mm. Uh, in terms of characterization... yeah. Uh, well, again, sort of the main thesis that I was proposing during my description of the episode is that Tom Paris must be a psychopath because he isn't <laughs> remotely embarrassed by any of this. It's uh, true. At least Barkley had the good sense to just be like, fuck, I'm so fucked. Oh, God. Exactly. Jordy and Barkley are both embarrassed of their dumb holodeck shit. You know who wasn't? Will Riker in Binar Land. No, again, he thought everyone needed to know about his business, in fact. Yeah. Uh, Schmollis struts around like a peacock, of course, but not for one second is he intrigued or troubled by the idea of an alternate reality populated entirely by photonic life forms. It means less than nothing to him. He does seem more excited to go on a cool mission than to meet some of these dudes. So what I'm saying is Red Dwarf did it better with Hollow Ship. (laughs) That's right. At least uh, Rimmer tries to join up with that crew. Yeah. Janeway doesn't care at all that there are only three working showers on the ship, as long as she gets her coffee. What if Neelix's plan had been to start killing crew members? She was not even listening. (laughs) She just said, whatever you want to do, Neelix, who gives a shit about any of this? You know I give you broad discretionary powers, Neelix. (laughs) Do what you have to do. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Tuvix, you have my, I mean, Neelix, <laughs> you have my full trust. 
You know, Tuvix, that you're, we trust you more than we ever trusted Neelix. Oh, no, wait, that's right. Yes, I remember <laughs> now what happened with that. Um, And uh, when Chakotay and Seven of Nine and everyone think that it's hilarious that Janeway has to go play Arachnia, that tells you exactly what the stakes are this week. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that if we are supposed to care about the sanctity of life the way that the Federation is supposed to care about it, that we should be sad about all these hollow guys getting iced, since they're supposedly yeah, real yeah, dudes. Yeah, they weren't yeah. They weren't invented in the holodeck. They should theoretically be seen as real people, but don't nobody give a shit. Doesn't come up. It's uh, somewhat less good than that bad episode of Deep Space Nine where there's a micro-universe. <laughs> where there is a At supposed least... theoretical possible micro-universe. There's a possibility of a micro-universe. At least in that one, they talk about it a little bit and do some hand-wringing, uh-huh. and Kira's there to go, what? <laughs> That's right. I don't know what... Listen, guys, I don't have, I don't have time for this. I um, I got a I got a student play that I got to do down on the docking ring in a few minutes. I got the lights are all flickering already for me. I got to get down there. Yeah, as you said, in this one they don't even pay lip service to it. Um, also, Bellana's super grumpy this week for no reason that I can see. Yeah. She doesn't even hint that she hates Captain Proton because Tom Paris is having an affair with his secretary in there or whatever. (laughs) She's just pissed off about everything. When the doctor calls her and he's like, I need a new suit or whatever. I don't know why that's her problem. I get it. But like, she's just in a bad mood. Yeah. She's pretty moody in general. I think that's what the writers were saying about their bitch of an ex-wife. That's probably what it is. Yeah. So Matthew, for me, this is the standard Voyager question of who looks good this week. (laughs) And I give it a two. All right. Well, uh, let's see what Ben has. Coffee black, she says, while her quartermaster tells her he's running out of ability to feed her crew. She's such a bitch. (laughs) She's extremely uncaring. She does not go in there and tell him that the mess hall smells like Talaxian butt or whatever, but you know that she was thinking You know she saves that for when someone calls her on something. Whenever anyone's mad at her, she turns it around and goes, oh yeah, well why don't you get over it, you fucking baby, and also this place smells like shit. And then just walks out and you go, what the fuck is wrong with her? Also, maybe God's real, but not your gods. <laughs> if Maybe if I have a religious epiphany on your planet, I'd think differently, but it's not likely. Well, that was an episode that happened. Um, anyway, it was a three for Ben. Uh, let's see. Harry Kim wants to have sex with hollow slaves. That's super cool. Uh, Janeway was a science officer on the Albatani. She puts hands on Neelix the way O'Brien does to Quark <laughs> when she wants that coffee. Um, then she smirks a lot when she thinks everybody's going to pick seven to be Arachnia. She, by the way, also, that is true. <laughs> but, but also, she uh, forgets that Neelix is like one disapproving nod away from committing major crimes and yes. also that he has definitely killed in the past yes for sure he's got six dark backstories like, you're right that she puts hands on him the way o'brien does to quark but neelix ain't quark no he's got so many more demons in there yeah a lot more demons he's got um sister florida he's got fucking jatrell He's got... If he had headbutted her and hissed, <laughs> 10 points for characterization. That would have been really good, and then he apologizes a bunch after for overreacting. Yep. 
than thinking he's going to get thrown off the ship. Man, that would have been pretty good. Um, anyway, she thinks they're going to pick Seven to be Arachnia and keeps looking over at her, but then when everybody looks at her, she gets all pissy about it. Um, Seven is mad at Harry Kim for playing games on the holodeck. Schmollis pays lip service and says he's intrigued by the idea of a universe full of photonic beings. In other words, he prefers Klingon beliefs. Yeah. Um... <laughs> As you said, no one is really any good in this episode. I don't even know what to say about TP. He's just, um, they should revoke his holodeck privileges forever. And they should tell him that he didn't necessarily do anything against the rules, (laughs) but that they're tired of it. (laughs) They're tired of his stupid programs. They're tired of being in them. They're tired of having to get stuck in them. They're tired of having to go in there to do things. He's the fucking reason they ended up in World War Two, right? I'm sure that's that his was program. another one of his dipshit programs. There's no way someone else is playing World War Two there. The 20th century is his whole fucking deal, apparently. So, um, I, I would just say, sorry, man, it's not personal, but we're not doing this anymore. Also, we're not doing the holodeck anymore. That's fucking shut down. <laughs> we're just <laughs> done with it. We're we're gonna we, use the we're great to... power generator that for some reason powers the holodeck when there's no other power on the ship, and we're gonna plug that into the fucking warp drive and the fucking shields and life support. <laughs> yeah, we figured out how to reroute the power, and as for the physical space the holodeck takes up, it's a big water tank now. <laughs> we filled it with water in case we run out of water. That's right. So don't go for a swim, you piece of shit. Um yeah, just a two for me as well. Um. Yeah. Uh. What about quick hitters? Um. Ben says that he found this uh, offensive. Like it was joking about how dumb Grandpa's sci-fi was. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, I guess, was into old school sci-fi. Um. I only had the one quick hitter, and it was goddamn. I'm glad I'm not doing this episode description. Yeah. I think I sprung that one on you last week. So why not? Yeah. It was tough. What about you? Um, I said I didn't think it was useful to talk about how the cave sets are always the same because I don't think Voyager need its pro- needs its production failings called out when it has so many unaddressed writing failings. That's right. Hey, writers? Hey, why don't you fucking keep it in-house, all right? I don't yeah. understand. Why are you fucking casting stones at these fuckers? Yeah, get your own house in order, writers. Um, if there are only four working toilets, Neelix really should push harder on the no coffee policy. <laughs> Shit runs right through me for sure. Uh, when Tom Paris tells tells Janeway about the pheromones, and he says that she needs to uncork the pheromones, Janeway gives him a look like she thinks what he has said is extremely nasty. <laughs> but what does she think it means? <laughs> uncork the pheromones? What is uncork the pheromones? What immediately springs to her mind when he says, if all else fails, you can always uncork the pheromones? What do you mean? What do you want to do? Just dip a couple fingers in there and rub it on his face? Just waft? Wafted at him? What, what are you, you talking about? I don't understand. That's fucking gross. Uncork the pheromones. <laughs> I'm just asking what her relationship with her own sexuality is. It doesn't seem healthy. No, I don't know. She did talk sexy to uh, the world's perfect live-in boyfriend, Mark, but I <laughs> I don't... We never got too deep into it. Just that, well, at least not in the way I like to be bothered, or whatever. Uh, best actor, probably Chaotica. I mean, he looked the part at least. Worst actor, either of the photonic suits. Yeah, they were nothing. For sure. Ow! Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
punched to the desk. It was out of rage, I guess. And Matthew, remind me, please, what you scored this for characterization, because I forgot to write it down. <laughs> I gave it a two. A two. All right. So off to a great start. Voyager scores 12 points this week. <laughs> All right. Well, fuck. What was next? The next one's going to score well for sure, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, probably. Uh, second place last week was Deep Space Nine. Mm. This week we watched The Ascent. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Wow. Uh, hey, Nog is back for some reason, and Jake is moving in with him, and Cisco's kind of broken up about it. Uh, Rom and Quark are getting ready for Nog's return when Odo walks into Rom's quarters to say he's taking Quark to the grand jury on Inferna Prime for, um, crimes. Yeah. He won't tell him why, and that seems shady. Anyway, um, Odo and Quark alone on a run about what could go wrong. Credits. Yeah, there's no jurisdiction discussion had here, by the way. <laughs> nope. Like, uh... Does Bajor have an extradition treaty with the Federation? I guess probably. It seems like they probably do, but it seems weird that he doesn't have to tell Quark what he's under arrest for, and it seems weird that he's taking him to another planet somewhere far away. Everything yeah. about it seems weird. Uh, Odo and Quark spar for a long time in the runabout. I mean, like, a long time. Yes. I'd explain more, but if you've seen the show, um, you know all the beats. They pretend to hate each other, but they really like to play with one another nog tells cisco he's here to work but he'll also keep jake out of trouble so i see you're on some kind of work study program uh you know i think in the real world if you're at the naval academy as a midshipman you do like little duty assignments during the summer okay well so that's i assume that's to. what he's doing yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, then he lays down the law for Jake about when they'll clean and when they'll sleep and work out. And he's generally pretty awful. I guess the Academy changed him from one kind of awful to another new kind. Um, then in the runabout, Odo delights in annoying Quark until Quark starts hearing crazy noises. And eventually Odo starts to hear him and they open a panel in the floor and they find a dang old bomb. Yep. But like a loud one. The one that just keeps getting louder. <laughs> they try to... What do they try to do? Beam the bomb out? But like... Yes. Shit gets all explodey. Yeah, what if it's set up to explode when you try to transport it, says Quark. And then Odo doesn't say, I mean, I don't know, man. What would even happen? <laughs> Isn't that just transporter code 14? <laughs> yeah, we do that shit all the Seems time. Seems safe. I've seen Starfleet do that. Uh, for the thousandth time, they come out of warp close enough to crash land on a habitable planet. <laughs> um, this one is chilly, though, so it's not as habitable as some of them. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> Quark lets it slip that the Orion Syndicate's probably responsible for this, and Odo reveals uh, that he didn't even know the details of the case. So No, he was just being shitty. Yeah, he was just pretending like he had all the info. Anyway, big crash, messy hair, broken replicators, broken communications, all that business. Um, 
Cut to Nog and Jake still not getting along. This time Nog edited Jake's story without his permission. I guess he can't just bring up a previous version on that pad. It's uh, Nog didn't just leave it as a comment on the Google Doc that Jake could just go through and mark resolved without doing anything. <laughs> it seems weird to like have these two going back and forth, these two plots, because one of them seems dire and full of stakes, and one of them is like, you're kind of an asshole, you didn't used to be an asshole. Listen, the B-plot is the odd couple, and it sucks. It's not good at all. And you're absolutely... And in my, in my imagination... Jake knows that he can just revert those changes, but he still wants to make the point that you don't mess with an artist's precious words. This is past prologue, man. This is my famous story past prologue. Yeah, this is like following up to Anselm. Next? Make a bunch of changes in Anselm? <laughs> You're going to go, buddy? What are you going to do next? Fucking rub my head and make me make the changes? Huh? Like that lady did? Did I tell you about that? Did I tell you about the time the lady rubbed my head oh. and then I made a novel? <laughs> By the way, Nog, I've been having a lot of sex since you left, and it's great. I dated a whole Dabo girl. I dated a Dabo girl. I fucked an old lady who gave me fucking words that I could put on a page. It was delightful. She she pulled my youthful energy out of my brain, and you could see it. <laughs> it was ble- I was bleeding all over the place. Yeah, but I wrote you know a it kind of looked like white silk. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> anyway, I just didn't know if I told you about that. Anyway, um... Back on Ice Planet, Quark comes up with an idea to carry a big old transmitter up a mountain to get a better signal out to Starfleet, because again, the runabouts' comms are broken. Time for some on-location filming. (laughs) Not even cold enough to see their breath out there, but they keep telling us how fucking cold it is. Also, there's only one... It's an L-class planet. That breath thing doesn't happen on an L-class planet. (laughs) There's only one super warm suit, so they keep trading it back and forth, etc. Uh, back on DS9, Jake is a slob, and he hates cadet uniforms. They fight. Yes. <laughs> they fight, and Nog says he's moving out. Later, Rom tells Cisco that Nog moved back in with him, and that now Nog sucks ass. And <laughs> they agree that each of their sons needs to learn something from the other. So they decide to, and this is in the script, and it's canon. They're going to parent trap them, is what yep. they said. <laughs> but they don't even do that. It we'll was get super it. weird to hear uh, Max Grodenchik in his full Ferengi <laughs> appliance say Haley Mills. <laughs> you know, uh, like Haley Mills? Um, the hiking team has been walking for three days, and uh, they aren't there yet. And there's no food on this planet. There's like trees and water and oxygen. Don't worry. A tricorder said all the plants were poisonous and there are no <laughs> animals. And I like cork eats bugs and everything. I guess he can't find any bugs, but I saw several bugs during the shoot. There's all kinds of bugs. <laughs> I just saw a lot of them flying around and stuff. So This is Yosemite. There's a full fucking bear in the background <laughs> of one of these shots. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't call out a fucking eagle like they do on that um, fucking <laughs> Archer planet. What was was that? The, was that Archer? Is where they are? And who watches the Watchers? I don't um, remember. <laughs> Whatever. I was just like, <gasps> and you're like, why did they pump pump in that fucking sound effect? Anyway, um, this Commodore sex act. <laughs> Uh, Quark finally admits he's uh, not working with the Orion Syndicate. He's a witness against them. And then Odo taunts him a lot. 
probably because he's going a little bit crazy about how he couldn't even join the syndicate and then Quark taunts him back about chasing a nobody for 10 years which seemed actually kind of rough <laughs> anyway later Quark experiences hearing loss and freaks out and shouts about how they're dying and then on the way still up the mountain they get into a shouting match which turns into a shoving match and they fall down and Odo breaks his leg but like comically bad so they show the leg and it's bending in all kinds of weird ways. Yeah, that was fun for props that day <laughs> to uh, stuff a fake leg up a slit up Odo uniform. <laughs> yep. Quark decides to drag Odo and the transmitter up the mountain himself. He says it's because he's going to eat Odo when he dies, but we know at home it's because he can't bear to leave him behind. Yeah. So he drags his ass up the mountain for a while. Remember, Data tells us that the Ferengi are stronger than they seem. Um, that is true. <laughs> but that transmitter, it's it still needs to be placed higher up the mountain, and he finally gives up and lays down and says he's going to die there. And so Odo decides he's going to climb up the mountain just like with his hands. You're just a shame Quark into it, really. I think so. He gets about 15 feet before he also gives up. So Quark hulks up again, and this time he just takes the transmitter and leaves Odo. Cisco, back on the station, forces Nog to move back in with Jake as captain and father. Um, (laughs) And I guess just being forced back together and told they don't have a choice has made them best friends again, so they didn't even do a parent trap or anything. No. Anyway, those two agree to go play some Domjot, and everything's settled. Whatever. Um... Odo is recording his last will and testament or something when he's beamed up to the Defiant. I guess Quark succeeded after all. Uh, They lay beside each other on medical beds. Quark and Odo reaffirm to one another that they aren't gay at all and they definitely hate each other. And then they laugh and the episode ends. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was the ascent all about? Ben says that the take of the ascent is friendship can survive vast differences in who we are. Good message, not sci-fi. Gives it a six. This was his pick of the week. Sure. Um, on the other hand, mm-hmm. the closest I could come to a take on this one was, hey, maybe you feel like giving up, but um, but but like don't. Yeah, don't give up. Don't ever give up. That's, I, that's what I assume we're supposed to believe when Cisco just orders Jake and Nog to get back together and everything's okay. And also, you know, Otto and Quark would have just died if they'd given up. But <laughs> who's on the other side yes. of this one? The question I find myself asking more and more as these series roll on. Yeah. I think we who's thought there would be a lot of hot takes, but there's a lot of fucking cold takes here. Um, This is not worth a lot to me. I think as much as a three. Yeah. Just, hey, hey, you got to keep going somehow, man. Yeah, you and I were on the same page. I said sheer desperation is the best motivator. I mean, I guess so, yeah. Does somebody think that desperation is a bad motivator? I I am in this exact same boat as you. I gave it a three. Nog and Jake e- easily reconcile when forced back together and told there's no choice. Yep. Odo and Quark are able to keep going because if they don't, they will die on the mountain. So what was the the choice was pretty clear on that one. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just a three for me. 
Um, but maybe you think they did a really good job making this episode. Well, Ben gave it a three on execution. Again, this is his pick of the week. <laughs> he hey, says, Ben's uh, notes to us start this week with, holy shit, this was a terrible week. So he's not wrong. Let's keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, he says Quark's finally getting some judicial comeuppance somehow. Somehow, I think, is the operative word there. Because, again, there's not a lot explained in the beginning of this episode. He says, this must be the inspiration for that Enterprise episode, because it's exactly the same. And then I thought, fuck, which one? Yeah. Which I mean, there's definitely episode? one on a mountain. Yeah, is that is that like the one where he fucked on top of a mountain? That seemed different. A, no, no, no. There's a, there's definitely one where there's a, they're on a planet with some bad dudes, and there's some broken equipment, and they need to work together to get to the top of oh, the fucking mountain. Um, with Trip and, and the then, alien. Trip and that alien have a big gay fist fight. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Maybe he, that's what he's talking. So, about. I think he's not wrong yeah. that there are some similarities. So a three from Ben. Uh, I although that one is more of a Galorndon core. What's the name of that one? The enemy. Maybe. Um, I agreed it was a three. Uh, this B plot would have been better if it was about Cisco having to let go, like I thought it was going to be about in the beginning. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't think it was going to be a big winner either way, but like, I definitely wasn't into this uh, hell is spending eternity with your friends thing that we were doing. Yeah. I saw so many insects <laughs> on well, this Well, Quark only eats beetles. Well, he needs to fucking grow up. And yeah. just eat whatever he finds. Because even though the replicator said there was no life, I saw a lot of bugs just flying in every scene. Do you think if you did not grow up in California, you find it you you don't find it as ridiculous when two actors are standing right next to a sequoia <laughs> and you're like, Well, that's a, clearly a sequoia and they only grow in one very specific place in the country, in the whole world. <laughs> well, it's a kind of alien tree. <laughs> if you don't grow up in California. But yeah, you're right. There were uh, plenty insects. I just kept commenting to myself when one would fly by the camera. I'd be like, there's one. Could have eaten that one. <laughs> um, As always, Quark and Odo are besties in space who pretend they aren't. It was pretty tired in the first season. They really needed to hold out on that stuff until later, but it's too late now. Maybe now just have them acknowledge that they fucking love each other. Yeah, it's worse than that. They have some kind of weird relationship where they have to pretend not to like each other yeah. every time. Over and over again. <laughs> anyway, this plot was as contrived as ever. They had to go on a they had to have a reason to have Odo and Quark on a runabout together going somewhere. Yeah. And they had to be on this planet. Or something. The only thing saving it is that Armin Shimmerman is one of the better actors on the show and um <laughs> Rene Aubergeonois, or whatever his name is, isn't bad either. So, you're right. A three for me. Um, yeah, we're we're in step here. I'm a three also. Uh, I, Matthew, they did something wrong with this episode, and I did not devote enough time to figure out what it was. But at the end, I noticed that I felt like the stakes in the Jake Nog B story were higher <laughs> than the stakes in the Quark Odo A story. And... I'm not sure why, I've, but that was the distinct feeling when I got out of it, and it's <laughs> objectively false, and that's why I think they must have done something wrong with the way they were filmed or directed or something. They, they broke the show somehow. It's broken. 
And sure, part of it is like, well, that's plainly Yosemite. I could just drive out there and get them. Yeah, I'll go pick. You know them what up. I mean? Like, oh, they still stuck out there. It's, like, I could take a day off and go get them. I think it's off season, so it should be pretty easy to get in and out of the park. Like, I can just go get them. It's not the end yeah. of the world. We could stop at a Black Bear Diner on the way back. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a drive for sure, but, like, I could just go out there to yeah, Yosemite. I mean, don't be afraid to ask, like, do you need me to go? I'm I'm basically telling you to tell me to go get them. Please tell me that. Um, plus, we, uh, this frenemies ground with Quark and Odo is so well trod yeah. already. It's It's been beaten to death. Yes. And then this is the story they picked to do all on location. They've mm. never been somewhere that looked more habitable. Most of the I fake know. planets they go to on sets look less habitable than Yosemite. Like, you remember when that Jem'Hadar ship crashed? Yes. That place looked less habitable. In that quarry? For sure. Mm-hmm. Go back there. Yeah, go to a quarry. <laughs> Make that be your class L planet. <laughs> and it's just like... I just, there's They're so constantly much... near like babbling brooks <laughs> and in these huge sequoia forests, and you're like, okay, but <sighs> that's what I kept saying out loud. I kept going, boy, it looks just so. It just looks really nice out there. It looks super habitable. I just don't understand. It looks great out there. <laughs> like this is where Ryan goes to find himself. What is? <laughs> what are these people doing? It's just like I didn't. I actually didn't read about this one very much, but it it must be like, did they pitch "Let's go to Yosemite first? Yeah, because maybe there was like a. How team, did they not write a better story for that? There was like a a cast and crew retreat that they turned into a <laughs> filming weekend or something. <laughs> That's probably what it was. <laughs> they were like at Lake Arrowhead or something doing a retreat. I don't know. <laughs> And they said, well, what if we what if we pitched one? What if we just did one in Yosemite? Ah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah so three for me. Uh, the, I really, I was very distressed when I got to the end, and I was like, oh, why did I care about the Jake Nog story more? <laughs> you went, oh, that's good that Jake and Nog are going to be okay. Wait a minute! <laughs> uh, in terms of world building, uh, Ben is a three again for obviously Frankies have good hearing mm. he wonders how long it'd take for the starbase to miss the runabout and come looking well they still had at least four days left in their journey when that thing blew up so yeah he wonders how they broke through security to plant that bomb I mean they did um, it completely they put that whole big bomb in that floor of that runabout and he says the planet seems pretty inhabitable like he says Nepal level maybe he he must have noticed that this was just Yosemite, though, right? <laughs> maybe he's taking... And you know what Yosemite looks like. Maybe he's taking their word for it that they were up real high because they were trying to get that transmitter. Oh, yeah, up. maybe. But, um... Yeah, it is a, it's a it's a big stretch that this planet is uninhabitable. And then all of the coincidences, like, they've got two, only two rations left and only one environment suit, and it's a lot of... Yeah. You know, it's like the final mission, but worse. Yes. World building. Uh, for me, we've got some talk about the Orion Syndicate. Sure. We don't really understand how they operate. No. Like, they were in the TOS part of space. Are they still weird independent gangsters on the fringes of the Federation? It's a good question. 
the uh, Orion Syndicate talk is pretty non-specific in this. We've got another one of Jake's stories past prologue. That doesn't seem that notable, but I would definitely mark it as world building if this were an episode of Murder We Pod. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, uh, that's right. Nog doing his field study. This weird apartment on Deep Space Nine where one bed is right next to the front door and then there's another bed in another alcove with the living room in between. <laughs> you see the layout of that place? It was weird. Yeah. Like, who... How, who they, gets the bed that's not where you have to answer the pizza for the pizza guy? They definitely from your bed. had some. They played uh, Pop Up Pirate or something for it for sure. That's the, definitely the best way to settle an argument like that. Uh, Orion Syndicate is somewhat interesting. Really, there's no other world building. It's a two for me. Yeah, I agree. It's a two. The Federation Grand Jury on Inferno Prime. I wonder if it's hot on Inferno Prime. <laughs> Seems like the kind of thing Star Trek writers would make happen. It'd be real weird if it wasn't, though, huh? Yeah. Why'd they name it that? It'd be confusing. I don't know if... Ru- Does it, by the way, did it seem to you like maybe Odo must not have known what a grand jury is about? <laughs> For him to think that Quark being called to testify before a grand jury meant that he was being arrested as a criminal? <laughs> well, you know, the Cardassian system was so different, and... Yeah, he just accused the wrong people, and then Gold Dukat executed him, and somehow Odo didn't connect those two things. <laughs> somehow somehow wasn't his fault. That's right. Even well, though... I just turned him over to Dukat. What are you talking and about? And then I stood up there, and I was about six feet away as they all got blasted. I watched it. I watched the whole thing. Um, I was showing a lot of collarbone, I guess, because it was a Cardassian uniform. It's true. They did give him a different nasty old collarbone uniform. I don't know if root beer is a big deal in the 24th century or just among these Ferengi who are trying to assimilate to human customs. It's hard to say because <laughs> I've never heard anyone else talk about root beer. But No, the only time we've heard it mentioned is that I think originally was it Rom heard that at the Ferengi they dr- at the academy they drink root beer mm-hmm. and and is he the one pushing it on Nog? Does Nog even like it? Is what I'm asking. That's a very good question. <laughs> is this a thing where Rom is somehow Nog's grandma who heard he likes Pokemon and <laughs> keeps getting him like sort of Pokemon related things every year, like Digimon? Yeah, we get it wrong every yeah. once in a while. The guy, the man at the store, said this was just like Pokemon. I'm not into you, Gio, Mom. <laughs> it's different, idiot. I have Bone Storm and Blade Squad and Bone Storm Two. Dummy. Dummy. <laughs> um, I fucking hated. Odo's nasty jumpsuit tucked into his little ankle boots and the ankle boots are all loose. It's like he saw the girl from Disaster last week from TNG and went, (laughs) that's the look for me but in beige. Yeah, well when you select it in the replicator it does say the Marissa. (laughs) I forgot her name, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, he's wearing the Marissa but in beige. What, What is the deal with that? What's up with those little ankle boots they all wear? Uh huh. Why are they tucked into the ankle boots, but then the boots are so loose and jangly? Uh, I imagine that some costumer realized that the pants of the TNG uniforms were getting a lot of wear from going around the outside of the boot. Uh Uh-huh. And that if they flipped it around and did the dumb stirrup pant inside the boot, it'd be a lot less wear. Well, it looks fucking bad. Yeah. Um, Vulcan Love Slave is a well-known porno. (laughs) Um... 
no idea how biology works, but this planet has oxygen and water and trees and everything and bugs, but these two dudes say they can't eat anything on it, so that's shitty. Lots of non-specific Orion Syndicate talk. They're bad guys, and you have to pay an entrance fee to join, I would hope, among other things that you have to do. I hope you well, couldn't one other thing, buy your way. One other thing you have to do is figure out how to reflect that on your taxes <laughs> without getting arrested. Yeah, that probably seems important. Like, I want to... There must be some way I can claim this as a business expense, this <laughs> Orion Syndicate <laughs> entrance fee. Yeah, do they have like a DBA that's really um, uh, <laughs> harmless, and so they can get they can get by, and they like put it as consulting everywhere. Yeah, uh, what is Inmartech Consulting? <laughs> ah, it's just oh, a consulting right. consulting so company I go to every once in a while. No big deal, you know. Um, yeah, just the two. I had some questions and some things I didn't like. Uh, but speaking of things you probably for sure liked a lot, mm. how, how did you score it on characterization? Well, first, uh, Ben, again, I will remind you, this is his pick of the week. He gave it a two. He says, Nog has come home a brainwashed asshole. Uh, if Jake wasn't the captain's son, he'd never have the leisure time to moon around and try it writing. The perks of privilege really work out for <laughs> old Jaco. I don't know. I get the feeling in, in the Federation... Well, one, we only ever see Starfleet, but I always thought you were just kind of allowed to be a fucking hippie and just follow your passions and sculpt a dolphin or whatever. But it might definitely be a thing where if you don't, if you ain't got a job, Cisco does come around and say, hmm, these quarters are for two people. <laughs> get the, like, we don't get know how it out. works. It could be like that. Yeah. Uh, he says Quark is really digging into Odo's psyche and thinks he wanted to be a solid all along. Uh, but again, just a two from Ben. Here's what I got. Um, uh, if that's what it's all about, good luck moving up because Jake's moving out. <laughs> <laughs> Eat shit. Uh, it's... I hope you never wake up from a heart attack. I can't wake up. Um, so this is hard for Cisco that Jake is moving out. I guess he's moving in with Nog. Um, Nog's a real ball buster now, thanks to Starfleet. Structure's cool, but he's a real know-it-all now. Dude couldn't even read a couple of years ago, and now he's editing Jake's <laughs> fucking stories? Forgot where he came from. That's right. Nice straight Illin, man. Um, But Jake is a real slob, and that's not nice when you're living with somebody else. I'm wagging my finger. Shouldn't do that. <laughs> um, anyway, when they're told they have to live together, and that's that. They both seem cool with it. So, Odo is pumped to see his best friend get brought up on charges, he thinks. Quark says becoming a solid hasn't changed Odo's personality at all. Thank goodness, because he was extremely mopey for a few weeks after that whole incident. So I'm glad he's back to normal. Um, Quark has discussed... He also, at one point, accuses Odo of having always wanted to be a solid. Mm-hmm. And Odo goes, what? And I also went, what? <laughs> well, that's like, what Ben pointed out, You're thinking out of too. Data. That wasn't his thing. <laughs> he wasn't always like, oh, to be human. I wish I could taste food. Um, Quark is disgusted by human stuff because he has only character flaws. <laughs> so he just complains loudly that you shouldn't be too human. 
Hey, do you remember that end of season two episode where he fucking lays into Cisco mm-hmm. about the racism, Federation racism? Sure. Well, forget about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Quark accidentally had a good moment. That's right. Uh, Quark's love of Odo is so strong that he'll drag his body up a mountain with a transmitter on his back for fucking days if he has to. Quark. Let me say again who I'm talking about. Quark. Have mm-hmm. we ever seen even one-tenth the passion or willingness to sacrifice from him on anybody else's behalf? Just for Odo. I mean, I think for Grilka. He did really like Grilka. I didn't get the feeling he'd drag her up a mountain, though. I mean, he definitely went with Worf's wild play about throwing an animal leg down on her table and <laughs> making a bunch of declarations. Andy Which, let, frankly, I, would have been a lot for me. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's true. I, I also am very worried about what people think, so I would probably have a hard time with that. Andy let Worf um, ragdoll his body all around, so, okay, maybe. <laughs> um, Rom is still trying to fit in with the Starfleet types as much as possible, and he has a cool dad talk with Cisco. Um, a three for me. <sighs> and you. You still have to um, go, right? Okay. I do. Did you already do Ben? I don't mm-hmm. remember. I did. Cool. Yeah, you did. You did. Uh, no, I came back from the Academy and he's uptight. Fine. That seems like a thing that probably happens. Hmm. Uh, Jake is a total slob and he thinks his writing is inspired and precious and not the result of lingering brain damage <laughs> from a sex vampire. <laughs> Fine. Makes sense also. He's 18 or whatever. Sure. Odo and Quark seem to have forgotten everything that's happened since season one, and they're full enemies again at the start. <laughs> and Odo doesn't relent. Even in his dying message, he's <laughs> shitty about Quark. Yep. In the message he's leaving for posterity, where he explains where Quark's body is, he starts off with, Well, Quark failed. <laughs> of course. <laughs> fucking guy. Um, who thinks that's a fun character trait? Yeah. <laughs> for him for for these two to have. And who thinks we need to relitigate the enemy's portion of their relationship here in the middle of season five. Agreed. I honestly anything after the episode where Quark realizes Odo's in deep pain because he's in love with Kira, like anything after that where they're enemies doesn't make any sense anymore. No. <laughs> like that was the moment where they just came out with it and went, ah oh, no, they care about each other though. Also, theoretically, just last week, Odo had to go through a real humbling experience about some mistakes that he made. Oh, uh, did he do another and... thing where he jumped off the stairs and tried to be a bird? Did he do it again? Well, you know, maybe he got a bunch of people. <laughs> oh, that one. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to a bunch of people, met a bunch of people being killed and then had to have a hard conversation with Major Kira about it. Yeah, luckily, uh, she said that he beat himself up enough that, you know, there's nothing yeah. anyone else can do to him. Well, it certainly did not lead to him being more forgiving of Quark this week. No. If anything, he's kind of doubled down. Uh, Like you, I thought this was worth three points. Okay. Quick ones. I don't think Ben had any. Uh, So, number one, does Jake pay rent? I don't know how the economy of Starfleet works, so it's hard to say. Yeah, just just a question. Like, his dad got him some quarters, five room over or whatever and he's like actually i'm moving somewhere else and i immediately thought so who set him up with those quarters <laughs> yeah did he go to did fucking he have to sign o- a lease uh, o'brien or something right 
Uh, Inferno Prime sounds like an awful place to live. Uh, I don't know why you would move there. Absolutely. Matt, Quirk leans over Odo's shoulder and reads the shitty romance novel that Odo's into. Now, I'm going to ask you a question about the Universal Translator. Oh, boy. What language was written on that pad and can Quark read it? (laughs) Why do Quark and Odo read the same language? What are you doing? Don't do that. Listen, I understand that somehow it can translate the spoken word, but can he read other languages? No, they're also eye implants. You didn't know this? No, I guess it's never really come up. Yeah, like, particularly in early TNG, when Jordy was talking about his visor, <laughs> no one was like, why don't you just get eye implants, like, for the Universal Translator? <laughs> you know, like we all did for the Universal Translator. You didn't get that done? Why not? I don't understand. It's weird. Yeah. Also, can you read? <laughs> this is an important question. When, like, things are just written somewhere, can you see it? Yeah. <laughs> or does, like, when you look at a pad, is it just one white square to you? Can you... Hey, can you read is our question. Why aren't you answering? He's just walking away. He's pretending like we're not talking to him. We're still talking to you. When Nog calls for lights out at 2200, is that 10 10 p.m.? Oh, good question. Or is 1300 noon, so 2200 is 9 p.m.? Yeah, we're on some different systems. How early does Nog want to go to bed is what I'm asking. (laughs) Because it could be 10 p like like uh, the equivalent of 10 p.m. with like a four hours left before midnight, or it could be 9 p.m. and also there's seven hours left before midnight. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Like it could be pretty messed up. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm gonna say luckily they don't give us a lot of details on the 26 hour day because again, my impression is they'd always find a way to fuck something up on that. Yeah. But since they're gonna keep saying 26 hours a day, you do have to wonder what. 2200 hours yeah so 2200 is it four hours before midnight or is it like 10 p.m two hours but it doesn't you know exactly what i'm saying anyway uh these makeup jobs on quirk and odo do not hold up to natural light they do not look as good outside you can really see that they have painted the area around quirk's eyes much darker to give the impression that they're set further back than they are yep for sure uh, me and Quirk are on the same lie here and die scheme. <laughs> he, he worked pretty hard before he got there, but he did get there. Odo deciding to burn Quark with his dying words. <laughs> well, Quark failed. Looks like big surprise there. <laughs> hey guys, did, could you have predicted that was going to happen? Hey, if Dax You'll is find reading his this, useless body, pro- probably like maybe five hundred feet further uphill. <laughs> Like, I can't see him, but I don't think he got farther than that. He'll uh, he'll be the one who looks like troll bones. <laughs> um, do you think the Defiant was already looking for him? Because they crashed four days into an eight-day trip, but somehow the Defiant was there basically as soon as Quark activated the beacon. Dude, it is hard to say. I, I'm not sure what the time... Um, the time frame was from when we see Odo or uh, Quark push up that mountain from Odo and when Odo's delivering his last his last fucking will and testament there. So I don't know how yeah. long that's supposed to have been, but um, you're right. That no, but there definitely wasn't a Chiron that said like five <laughs> star days later or whatever. <laughs> sure. Uh, gave best actor to Quark when he's not screaming and worst actor to Quark when he's screaming. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, but how did you feel about what him you- screaming over and over again? Fascist! <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I liked it a lot. I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that for sure. I loved him screaming fascist over and over again. Um, uh, I mean, Odo kind of is a, a, if there's such a thing as a lowercase f fascist, Odo kind of is. Yeah. Like he definitely believes in law law and order above all other considerations. For sure. Um, Quickies. Yeah, Nana is back and is now pretending to be pregnant. We're in the pretending yes. phase. But again, only back for Little League. She still doesn't get any scenes or anything. Also, no one says anything like, huh, new haircut. I know, no one says shit yeah. to her. That's a, so you got yourself quite a look there. It's interesting. That's really interesting. Hey, when's the baby due? When's that hey, gonna... you still pregnant? Is that gonna happen? I'd like that to happen pretty soon. Do you, are, you, are you and Chief O'Brien still being super weird with each other? Or uh, <laughs> yeah, did is you, that all Remember when you resolved? ruined the show? When you guys <laughs> did an emotional affair? Do you remember that? Um, What's up? Is that still going on? Are you still... Do you remember sitting in his lap in a nightgown kind of a lot? Do you, <laughs> does that ring a bell? Do you guys remember when you couldn't go on vacation together because you couldn't stand the animal magnetism that you guys were just going to have to bang it out all day and all night? Do you remember when you said that out loud and ruined the show? <clears throat> uh, my only other quick hitter was about him screaming fascist over and over again, so that's it. <laughs> all right. Um, great episode. Super cool. Scored 22 points. Hey, hey that's um, a good score. Hey, it's 10 more than Voyager. Yeah. 22 out of 80. And Hell yeah. Yeah, 22 out of 80. Last week's winner was The Next Generation. Could they repeat with the game? Man, they only got to beat 22. The odds are good. It's true. Uh, Billy Boy Riker is chasing a nasty alien redhead around his Riza hotel room. Yeah, he is. And just when it seems like he's going to get laid, she suddenly wants to play Virtual Boy instead. <laughs> um, It's a combination of the virtual reality episode of Community and the TI-82 graphing calculator game I programmed to put the biscuit in the basket. <laughs> uh, except that when you score, you get a little mini orgasm or whatever. Yeah, sometimes when you really build up those levels. It ain't it ain't mini no more. It's the real deal. Moist. It's gross. Yeah. That's the whole premise of the episode, so enjoy that, everyone. Anyway, Enterprise picks him up and they head off to the Phoenix cluster where they've been their exploration time's been cut down to only two weeks. No one thinks that's enough. There's eighteen new science teams on board. How are they gonna schedule time on all of the equipment you know by the way since this never gets mentioned again after a certain point in the episode how much do you think they got done oh (laughs) almost nothing (laughs) and by the way uh i imagine that picard's report on the incident is not favorable to riker (laughs) no nor should it be let's be real he's got to explain why they got almost no science done yeah and since his report has to include 
everyone on the ship, including me, got addicted to a video game, and kind of everything ground to a halt because we were nonstop coming. Yeah, we, we couldn't stop coming, and then we had to chase uh, Wesley around for a while, too, so... Yeah. yeah we just didn't know. You, you know that there's going to be, like, some long paragraphs about where that game came from. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah. Uh, luckily, with this tight, tight schedule, Wesley's on vacation, and he's coming aboard to help out. Um, and also, Ensign Robin Ashley Judd Leffler has been crushing it, and she's the new mission specialist. Hell yeah, episode two for her. Two of many, I assume. She's gonna be You have to assume. Series fucking regular. She got a name and an intro and all that business. Uh... Riker tries to get Jordy into his new game, but he's so busy with these fucking scientists, man. Yeah. So then Riker goes to 10 Forward, where he tells Troy that he has something even better than chocolate. This <laughs> creep wants everybody to have little VR orgasms. <laughs> yep. It's true. Before you know the rest, you are like, why is he fucking just relax, dude? Like, we all know how to <laughs> like, orgasm. It's fine. Like, uh... I missed the part where it said you could link two of these together and like have <laughs> orgasms together, but also your first pitch was Jordy. So is that? <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> you just want to you want a little Jo, buddy? Is I, that what's going on? I'd like to imagine him sitting in his quarters with Troy, really frustrated because he can't get the Wi-Fi to link them up. It's <laughs> like, no, nah, like, it says it's linking. There should there should be a way to do. This. I don't understand. It's been saying that it's searching for a connection for like five minutes. I don't understand this. At some point, she's like, we could just have sex. And he's like, Dunk. this is different. I learned this on Risa. There's cones and there's balls. You're not getting it. <laughs> this is Risa shit. You know everything's hornier there. Uh, Wesley beams over from the Zhukov, which is weird because he was supposed to be on a shuttle they rendezvoused with. <laughs> it was the shuttle Zhukov. And, and gets a cool welcome from O'Brien. And it turns out that, that they're playing a little prank on him. They're not really unhappy he's back. It's a surprise party. That's fun. But in the back, Troy is telling Beverly about the fuck game now. Yeah, she is. So. That happened. It's starting to spread. Data and Wesley have a little chat about how hard the Academy sucks if you're a Dorcas. And <laughs> then he sits down in engineering to do some work and meets Leffler. Uh, in sinister news, Crusher calls Data down to uh, ostensibly reprogram a tricorder, and then Cold turns him off with his off switch. Yeah, they didn't and then even starts... do a mystery thing where like <laughs> Data is just like in the next scene he's just deactivated, and everyone's like, "Why?" No. They just show her no. being like, "Gaga, I got you." <laughs> we get to see it, and then we get to see that Troy and Riker were creepily waiting yeah. outside the door so that they could come in, and Riker can manhandle him onto a bio bed so troy can start uh crusher can start working in his brain they decided early on that they did not have the time to spend on a mystery in this one they were like no we're not doing mystery we're doing um buddy <laughs> cops with leffler and wesley and that's what we're doing this week uh wesley goes to tea with picard in a scene that i think is only supposed to establish that Wesley's just allowed to come see him whenever he wants for later Right. Because Picard gets called away basically right away so that Crusher can report that Data came in and collapsed. Yeah. Um, Jordy can't figure out what's wrong. and He gets frustrated about it. And then Riker pushes the game on him again <laughs> as a means of like, you know, just chilling out for a minute. That's right. Uh, anyway, Wesley and Ashley Judd are so cute together. They're like little dolls. It's barely vomit inducing. 
Um, but it does keep Wesley from getting distracted when his mom tries to put the headset on him. That's right, man. What's on his menu now? P. The P word. Don't on make his me menu. say it. <laughs> it's the first time for him. He's not gonna stop to play the new Wario game. Like this is bullshit. Yeah. yeah the the two kids put on real garbage outfits and have dinner in ten forward. Where, by the way, a lady sitting next to them is just putting it on Front Street. <laughs> Staring just right sitting at over there fucking staring at him with a big zombie stare and uh probably just perpetually twitching uh-huh. so they start talking about these things and they decide to take their date up a sexy notch by going to the medical lab and hooking one up to a simulator what? they're gonna look yeah. at these simulated si- yeah simulated they're gonna look at these simulated eargasms <laughs> They figure out that the game's addictive, and they also figure out that it's doing something in the higher reasoning areas of the brain. Um, and luckily, the writers don't decide that Wesley should know what it's doing. Yeah. Like, it's enough that he knows something's going on. He goes to snitch. Picard seems to take it seriously. But as soon as Wesley walks out, Picard just l- reaches over to his left and grabs a headset and slams it back on. By so. the way, that's how addictive this game is. He doesn't even call his boss. We find out later he's got a boss. He doesn't even call her. He just goes right back to the game. He's like, okay, Wesley's on to us, but let me slam out yeah. a couple more levels. And of course, the in that scene, when the scene starts, you see him turning around in his chair, doing a little spin in his chair and putting the headset down. So it's like... yep. He could not stop himself. He had the jacket a couple more times. Yep. He Listen, he knew he had one more in him, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wesley grabs Leffler. They go to check on Data because they're both smarter than Jordy, and they find the sabotage right away. Uh-huh. Uh, the senior staff is preparing for a ship to arrive, and Picard says, enough of this shit. Beverly, you gotta slam one of these on Wesley. But when she and Worf go to see about it, um, <laughs> he finds him faking it on a bed with uh, Robin Leffler. Yeah. They've got just... fake headsets on, and they're sitting there twitching, both imagining what an orgasm might be like. By the way, the true of the actors as well as the characters. <laughs> it's just pure <laughs> imagination at this point. <laughs> Listen, just because no one in this show shouted, Geronimo, doesn't mean... <laughs> That they don't know what an orgasm's like. I've told you, not everyone does that. It's true. And no one did my specialty, which is, oh no! That's what <laughs> I do every time. <laughs> um, the redhead from the teaser, Etana Jal, rolls up in her ship. And Picard tells her, yep, we're all ready for you. And she starts giving orders uh, for how to spread the devices out to nearby starships and star bases. The plan is to take over the whole Federation, and it's very easy as usual. Yeah. <laughs> Embarrassingly uh, easy. Wesley gets down to engineering, but, you know, somebody got to Leffler. She's out of it now. Yeah. Uh, and everybody is there waiting for him. And he makes a mad dash through the corridors using his own homebrew transporter program to get away from Worf. It's a low-speed chase. Wesley attains the rank of Subadar. It's an honorable tour, um, for sure. It's an honorable tour before getting cornered in the Jeffreys tubes by Worf and Riker. Yeah. They drag him to the bridge and plug him into the game, ruining his NoFap November attempt. Yeah. But then the lights go out, and Data hits everyone with a Pokemon strobe. Oh, shit! Is that Data's music? On him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess he got fixed. 
Um, they take Etonajol's ship in tow. Wesley kisses Robin Leffler goodbye and heads out on the Merrimack, having saved the entire Federation, probably. <laughs> Matthew, God, what's this one about? <clears throat> I mean, look. Video games are bad for society. They'll get you addicted, and the fucking Japanese will take over our whole country, I guess, with their fucking Donkey Kong and fucking <laughs> their fucking Marios and shit. I'm sorry, do you trust Donkey Kong? <laughs> I mean, I don't. You sucker. I think this is about the Japanese. Is this about the Japanese? <laughs> I don't know. I gave it a two. Um... Ben was in the same boat. He says addiction of any kind is bad and video games are addictive is what he thinks it is. Super preachy. Two. Um, well, let's complete the trifecta. Video games are addictive. I literally believe that's the entire message of the episode. Right? The rest is just invasion of the body snatchers. It's a very limited take. It is directly inspired by one writer's Tetris obsession and it looks pretty dumb in 2021. <laughs> What should you do about it? How do you manage it? Yeah. Where's my telephone headset that makes me come continually? These are just some <laughs> of the questions the show does not answer about video game addiction. Who is the real life Etana Jal? Who's whose dastardly plan is the video game? Yep. Ugh. And who is the big patsy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Um I'm afraid I could only give it one point. I mean, that's fair. <clears throat> like it's so it is such a limited take it this is not it's not useful in any way to anyone it's kind of neat we've, we've been doing episodes in the late 60s the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s and we've seen all kinds of panic but there's nothing quite like early 90s panic no it is the the best panic is <laughs> early it? 90s panic is so bonkers it's like we couldn't think of anything to really be worried about when we were just like making shit up on the fly oh there was there was that fierce episode about recovered memories <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Voyager. Which, of course, grew out of the satanic cult uh, fears, yep. which were yep. also a great fucking fun time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this fits right in. I mean, who knows? Like, maybe in a couple of years, there'll be a great episode of some science fiction show about idiots who believe that 5G is mind control or whatever. Uh-huh. And then we'll go, well, what can I do? Does people really think that? Yeah. So, <laughs> nine points, I guess. Uh, ben is a two on execution. Doesn't enjoy the Riker's sexy times, but wants to be clear, Riker's the gross part of it. Yeah. Uh, just packed with uncomfortable scenes. Invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah. Lame um, gambit by these underpowered aliens to, I guess, take over the whole Federation? Yeah, I mean, it yep. seems like it. It's the, I'm going to say this is the second of three attempts to take over the whole Federation. Okay. The first one, at least, was by some aliens that seemed to have some actual power. Uh, the ones that even some Riker fucking jump kicks couldn't stop? That's right, the nubbins. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will later see another attempt to basically use the Enterprise as a weapon in a war. Yes. Not long from similar. now. <laughs> It's, it's come, honestly, it's coming up. Dude, this is a bad year for the Federation. <clears throat> but, um. Also, wait, wait, wait. So, wait. A, I want to remind you that Riker does a jump kick on that guy. <laughs> yes. And it, 
I just I want that to be pointed out because and now the guy no sells it. We are only a few years later. It's season five. Can you imagine Jonathan Frakes attempting a jump kick at this point? Okay, in the show? so. <laughs> Uh, I was saving this for like quick hitters because it doesn't really fit in anything. But okay. do you remember in season one in the episode Angel One? Yeah, he dresses up all sexy yeah. and like is very bare chested and everything. Proud of it. What did you think of Riker's sex bathrobe in the beginning of this episode? He looked like someone's confused dad to me. It, it wasn't be... possibly the most concealing <laughs> a sexy time garment has ever. This is. Uh, his bathrobe was somehow double-breasted. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, this thing was, no one was going to see any part of his body in this. She had to run around in full lingerie, uh-huh. uh, and but he was going to wear a spa day bathrobe. <laughs> yeah. In his signature royal blue, by the way. How things have changed, huh? Man, season yep. one was not that long ago, but it seems like fucking uh, decades when he went to planet A, he wore feathers. When he went to planet B, he wore furs. Now he's on Risa for sex tourism, and he has brought the comfy clothes. <laughs> anyway, I just I can't imagine him trying a jump kick. I don't think it's possible anymore. Must have been a weird three or four years for him, huh? Yeah. Well, we've seen the ups and downs. We've been there for him, for sure. Uh, so this episode is both creepy and gross. Yep. And it very badly needed a scene where Riker gets a talking to about Risa and about not thinking with his diseased prick all the time. Yeah. Because as far as we know, no consequences for what happened here. Seems like it's just uh, par for the course. Um. Then there's a big problem about an addiction episode here. The holodeck exists. Pleasure planets exist. The replicator allows for instant gratification. You'd think that the Federation would have a pretty good handle on compulsive behavior Mm -hmm. and wouldn't be so vulnerable to put the ball in the cone. I mean, like you'd think they'd have a strategy for dealing with addictive substances and situations well another thing i know so many people who will proudly tell you they've never played video games and i cannot believe they didn't run into any of those people who are like no i'm not playing the fucking game like (laughs) i don't play video games i'm proud of it i talk about it all the time it's just like not how i want to spend my time i don't even own a tv part of like part of my identity yeah just i don't play video games stop trying to tell me to play the video game like i'm not gonna do it apparently everyone was just like all right i guess i'll play it (laughs) um but because video games were pretty new for these writers, they have to be pretty new for the Federation of the 24th century. <laughs> exactly. Um, then, of course, the game that they depict is an absolute joke. It's like a ray tracing tutorial image from 1995. <laughs> uh, then they decided on a, the heist movie format where it seems like Wesley gets caught, but getting caught was just a distraction. And that's fun in a heist movie where the distraction stuff is cool in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. But this chase is below Rogadanar levels of action and excitement. Oh, 100%. Uh, you could say it is sub-Roga. It's sub-Roga and not Supadar, like you said earlier. So, it's not cool that when he gets caught at the end, it's just like, well, at least that gave Data time to yeah. wake up. I wasn't even clear that that was like an intentional double double cross kind of like cool twist i thought maybe that was we were just supposed to be like oh what a coincidence 
I mean, when Data pops in, he says, Wesley's diversion gave me time to complete my reprogramming or whatever. But it's like, maybe he's just trying to give Wesley some credit because he knows the little guy needs a W after he just saw his girlfriend. Maybe. Um, two. Okay. The two. Yeah. Um, video games are in a dark age for sure in the 24th century. Like, this game sucks ass. And again, is this shit for real? Video game panic? How early 90s can you get? But uh, thank goodness we had the AP students on the case. Going to yes. the <laughs> fucking medical lab to test out the video game. All of the actors... Hey, the Federation would have been in real trouble if Picard and crew hadn't been able to figure out what to do with the magical hidden planet of... Um, Oh yeah, what was it called? Uh, Alder? No, I want Aldea. Aldea, yeah. Aldea that stole all the smart kids. <laughs> all the white, all the white kids is what you're. Well, if, yes. Just own what you said. That's yes. If we want to make the subtext text, that is what <laughs> it was. Yes. I mean, I still think there's a possibility. If you go back and watch it again, you'll hear them say, "We've taken your white children. <laughs> you'll never get them back." Um. All the actors made me sad in this one. It's just a lot of misses on all the performances from the uh, extreme joviality of Wesley's party in the observation lounge to the constant fake orgasms to the we've become zombies. Just every beat was bad and wrong. They all did it wrong. And the crew is so feeble. How do any of them keep their jobs after this? They almost it's, lost the whole Federation. It's real tough. And like, how lucky is Picard and everybody that they got rid of that whole Nora Sati problem <laughs> 10 weeks ago? Yes. Because if she was coming <laughs> next week instead. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, anything you say, I'm just going to say this back to you. A video game? If yeah, if Jadan had been a little slower getting that information out, or a little better and hadn't been caught for a while, yeah, and she showed up today, boy, Picard would be in a tough position, huh? Yeah, hard to fucking um, uh, fucking speak your way out of this one. Hard to fucking facepalm your way out of this one like you did before, Captain. We have high definition footage of you telling Atana Jaw that the ship was prepared for her. <laughs> I'm just saying, when you write this script, don't you know that at the end we're going to be like, these guys are fucking morons. Like, <laughs> just what a terrible job everybody did. Uh, a real miss, I gave it one point. You know, I remembered it being bad, but watching it critically, I realized it was worse than I remembered. So, um, But how did it do in terms of world building? <laughs> Risa again. Um... The Phoenix Cluster, an unexplored section of space. Enterprise only has two weeks because of a diplomatic mission to, I don't know what he said, Oceana 4. I wasn't paying attention. Uh, what is up with that fucking... Why is Troy's ice cream in traction? <laughs> Why is it wearing a headgear? What's happening with it? Did her ice cream fly over its handlebars and break its back? Like, why? how long is it going to be laid up like that? Why is eating ice cream so inefficient in the 24th century? Yeah, man. Look, I agree. I wrote in my quick hitters. They gave Troy a ceremonial <laughs> chocolate eating plinth for this one. 
Um, and I said, I bet that the script has at least one line where they forgot to find and replace the original name for her dialogue, which was Kathy. <laughs> I just, I was looking at that ice cream for so long going, that's just a regular bowl, but then look at everything it's fucking, else. It's fucking suspended <laughs> on like a shock mount in the middle of a huge goblet for no reason. Is she going to be like, now when the ship shakes, my ice cream will stay still. I feel like, Matt, they put that together with the intention of filling it with dry ice. Oh, so, so she'd that, have like steamy ice So that cream. it would be like foggy and steamy all around the ice cream. And then on the day they went to Safeway and the guy's like, ah, oh, we're all out of dry ice today. <laughs> they were just like, well, fuck, we built this whole like, ice cream um, rig. Well, I guess the rig still looks futuristic. <laughs> anyway, it totally took me out of the scene where he was trying to convince her to use the, uh, the game. Do you, well, do you know what took me out of that scene? Fuck. The fucking... Nestle's chocolate chips sitting in it. <laughs> the milk and white chocolate chips just sitting in it. Like, no, they didn't shave some chocolate no. or whatever. It's just like Toll House chocolate chips right in there. <laughs> it's she, I I, it was right. weird, too, when she told Riker, have you made the cookies with the recipe on the bag? They're really good. It's just like, <laughs> I just do the recipe from the bag. <laughs> I think you're right that they just did go to Safeway, and that was it. Um... This fucking Katarian game, which worked embarrassingly well. Starfleet's burying this story for real, right? Like, uh, the f- I assume Starfleet is. Uh, Section 31 is launching a Genesis <laughs> device at Kataria. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're done. Hey, you guys, you're done. The flagship. It's just pr- all proto matter and nothing from now on. The flagship brought to its fucking knees again by the new Donkey Kong game or whatever. <laughs> like, that's not good. And this Katarian lady must not be able to believe her fucking luck. She had to have thought this was the world's dumbest plan. I will repeat for you that the behind the scenes info is that the game that inspired this was Tetris. So just just a thought. She must have thought this was the dumbest plan anyone had ever sent her to go do. And then she met Riker and went, well, maybe. It's like she had an original plan, which was... She'd get this on Riker. Yeah, maybe he'd be Riker able to spread it to a couple to a couple of other people, and then he would beam her some gold. <laughs> that the Federation could just make gold, so he'd beam her some gold. And then Picard called and, her and went, "We are prepared for you." And she went, "Oh shit!" And then she was like, "Oh, oh okay. yeah, yeah. Here's some more of them. Why don't you pass these around too? I'm gonna get okay, so much um, gold." And then she called uh, the defense forces of Qatar and was like, okay, so uh, I've got something for you, but I'm a colonel now, so let me get one of those high-collared uniforms. That's right. Uh, it's possible to take out data in so secret a way that it would take Wesley as much as three minutes to figure it out. <laughs> we find out in this episode. Yep. Uh, Transporter room three is on deck six. Um. This light treatment that Data uses in the end that I can only assume is the standard treatment for all forms of addiction, and maybe we should start <laughs> using it now. Just give it a I shot. I got a pretty good strobe light on my flashlight. I don't even have to modify a palm beacon. Yeah, just fucking see, go up to some someone who's maybe having some substance issues and give them a blast from Do your I have helpful to shout ray. Everything, 
do I have to shout anything at him? Like, hey, knock it off or fascist over and over again? Or is it enough to, I mean, Data doesn't say anything, I guess. No, he just he just gives them the He business. just turns the lights down low and hits them with that strobe. And they're instantly cured, all of them. Everyone in the fucking bridge. The blast from his helpful ray. Um, yeah. Yeah, I give it a two. In some ways, I hated everything. But there is a lot in there. So a two. Um, he said he forgot. Ben said he forgot the the prototype uniforms, or uh, the cadet uniforms become the Voyager uniforms. They have the similar coloration for sure. Yeah, I think at some Why point they Wesley... became like the um, station or land based uniform right. and that's why they were wearing them at the academy because they're on earth but then voyager just goes nah we're just gonna wear them yeah i don't know uh yes why wesley has access to a phaser it's a three for him here are some things you didn't mention i guess mm. uh they still do the sadie hawkins day dance in 2360x oh yeah that's true um what is risa and why are starfleet officers allowed to go there <laughs> forever yeah uh well, we hear a lot about academy classes we see the cadet uniform. There's talk about old Booth Bay. Sick Bay has a human simulator you can use, complete with, like, fake eyes. <laughs> and that seems pretty advanced until you remember that Spock would have just asked the computer what the device did, and it would have said, sex addiction. <laughs> and then he would have said, and the purpose of such a device, and it would have said, to take over the Federation. And then facial and then he would have, expressions and reactions across the room. <laughs> yes, and he would have then passionately argued that Kirk's only logical move was to cut Etana Jaw up like a honey-baked ham. <laughs> um, so, you know, the simulator's not as advanced as that, but sure. it's still pretty cool. And I guess there's a lot of bureaucracy business about uh, this survey. So, uh, yeah, actually, I gave it a four. For oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Actually, bump mine up to a three because I forgot about the Academy stuff and... Well, no, I talked about the survey. Three's fine. Okay. <clears throat> And Ben's a four on characterization. He says, Wrecker goes to Risa for his vacations more than anyone else on the ship. That mm. dirty bird. Troy super duper loves chocolate because of her ovaries. He's very, he was distressed to see that even Nurse Ogawa got caught Well, up he should it. be. <laughs> it's not right. Uh, he's Yeah, Wesley does make a point of telling Luffler that light years can't keep good friends apart. <laughs> and so it definitely does seem like he's out. <laughs> Look, when she gave him her fucking um, physical copy of her quirky rules, he's like, oh, no, I can't. This doesn't seem like it's going to work. Oh, thanks. Also, he, um, the reason that she knows so much about him from the Academy is that he's fucking crushing it there. So, like, <laughs> that's right. This actually wasn't a big deal for him at all. Yeah. Uh, for me, Wesley saved all of humanity and also kissed a girl, so it was pretty good outing for him. Uh -huh. He even had some pretty normal dialogue. Okay. But who else looks good here? Yeah, that's a good question. When Data blew up in the most toys, Jordy had fully clothed nightmares about it. <laughs> he even knew where to find his visor. He was so tuned in from that dream. But this week, Riker's like, you need a break. Come play this thing I got back from Risa, yes. and he's in. Yes, yes. Uh, every single person on the ship gets caught up in this thing, which makes it real hard to find points. A and then at the end, Picard tells Atana Jal her plan to take over the ship has failed. Like, he wasn't part of the problem, all <laughs> smiling and awaiting her orders 30 seconds previously. He's real smug about it. Like, 
We like, have he beaten didn't just you. get very lucky. Yeah. And uh, that's not a good look, and I only gave it a one. Yeah, well, hmm, you're not uh, wrong. Uh, Riker's doing his normal fucking thing, just blasting aliens on and off the bridge. Um, <laughs> Leffler is a mission specialist this week. I'm counting her. She was in a previous episode. She has lots of quirky personal rules she tells everybody about. I can only guess that... Oh, a real irritating personality trait, frankly. <laughs> I can only guess that because she was the cutest one in her space family. Not enough people told her to shut up growing up. I imagine her <laughs> space family is just like her real-life family. Anyway. Uh, her space family was real fucked up. Her parents ignored her a lot, and they only cared about their work because they were both scientists and Star Trek hates scientists. Oh, she goes okay. into it quite a bit with Wesley. Yeah, so it she's. Wasn't- wasn't necessarily She's from the, the weird privileged circumstances, like a rich only child whose parents were neglectful, but like also, you know, they had piano lessons and all of that. <laughs> sure. Uh, anyway, she's also into Wesley for some reason. Um, yeah. Troy's big scene is with this chocolate ice cream. And <laughs> I bet Marina had to really dig deep and come up with some emotional business to do a scene this powerful. She was an actual actress in England before this show. <laughs> Prove but- it. Now she's got to seduce Riker with her ice cream? I don't know. I don't know what it was. Wesley's hurt that nobody came to greet him in the transporter room. Part of the prank is that he'll only get to hang out with lumpy old O'Brien for a minute. (laughs) Wesley's very nice and gets right to work instead of looking up that Asian kid he used to go skiing with. (laughs) Anyway. That kid's long gone. (laughs) After Jake stole that shuttle, Picard got all the rest of those teenagers <laughs> off the ship. Anybody older than, um, oh, what's the name of the kid who carved the dolphin? Anyone older than him? I want off the ship. And then he really uh, regretted it. I was going to say Jay Gordon, because I don't remember, but I think it's Harry. <laughs> it's Harry Jr. I think his name is Harry. Harry Jr. Uh, and then he really regretted it when those two kids played that prank, and one of them had to, the one kid pulled the prank on the other one, and then the kid had to live yep. in a fucking terrarium. Um, all right. Toddlers and younger. That's it now. <laughs> That's right. Once your kid's as big as Alexander, you have to send him to live with his grandparents. <laughs> thank, thank you, War, for instituting that rule. Uh, anyway, Wesley's the protagonist of this episode. I don't know what we learn about his personality, just that he's finally old enough to put off video games if pussy is a possibility. Yep. Um, they could have at least tried to, like, the the schemers could have tried to get Data addicted to the game. In this dumb show, he might have just gone, beep, beep, boop, my neural pathways have become accustomed to the frisbees. I must frisbee those funnels all night, brohan. Oh shit, bro, you should have seen that. It was a fucking triple shot. No, but they do set a real weird limit where they're like, we'll deactivate him, but we won't murder him. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Why? They couldn't just be like, I don't know, he just, his fucking head blew up. What are you going to do? We'll leave him lying there with minor, very precise cuts that can easily be repaired in his circuitry. <laughs> yeah, that is a weird choice. But I just think... They should they should have most toyed him. <clears throat> taken him down, put him on a one of them little tiny shuttles, and then blown it up off the when it left the ship. Yeah. Should have tried something. And then been like, oh, no, it happened again, Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> Jordy, remember how much, how much pain this brought you? I got something for it. Um, I just think if they had any memories 
of before they were addicted to the video game, they would have remembered this dude got drunk in season one and they would have given it a shot. That's all I'm saying. That's right. Um, Picard is humiliated when Boothby doesn't remember who he is and Picard failed Orgo. So a couple of bad things there. <clears throat> when, um, when his best friend, the robot, just <laughs> fucking stops working for no reason... Jordy agrees that it is actually time to take a break and fucking unwind. Yep. Man, I can't even eat if the router isn't working in here. Look, Jordy is at the same. Well, that's that's true. Okay. Sure. Like, it ruins my life. Like, I lose weight <laughs> if I can't, like, make some technology, if my printer's not working for some reason. <laughs> and this dude's robot best friend fell over dead? I don't know. And he's just like, yeah, maybe I do need to just fucking play some video games. <laughs> Y'all get in a round of Civ Five, why not? <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, Jordy may be at the point in his relationship with Data that Odo is with Kira right now, where he's like, Jordy realizes Data's never gonna feel about him <laughs> the same way, and so he's kind of pulling away. That's good. Well, good for him then. Uh, brainwashed Worf seems good at his job. He's the one who catches Wesley with those heat sensors. Maybe yep. they should keep him brainwashed. Because otherwise he kind of sucks. Um, yeah, usually he just slams his fist down on the thing and goes, I missed it! <laughs> or he tells Riker on the way down to catch Wesley, he is without honor. That is our greatest <laughs> advantage. And Riker just goes, uh-huh. That's cool. Um, as I said earlier, all actors were an F minus in this episode and it was very hard to watch. So all things considered, it was a two for me. <sighs> well, surely you must have some of those quick hitters to sure. dispense. Uh, didn't want to see Riker's O face. Don't want to see everybody else's O face. Were Ashley Judd's episodes aired at a sequence or something? Do you feel like this is the first one and the second one? She's just hanging around in the back because we already know who she is and they call her Leffler. Because, like, it seems weird that she was in that one and then in this one she gets the big introduction. But, I don't know. I think this the big introduction is kind of like saying, hey, do you remember her? Well, she's a real person, so. You might have remembered her from another episode. Uh, I felt really bad for her. Not just, like, all the bad lines they made her say, but, like, that ambush book told us about all the writers creeping on her. Just <laughs> coming down and going, hi, Ashley, I, I wrote a scene where you get your feet rubbed, but it didn't make the final cut. <laughs> we, I mean, we can still shoot it, though, if you want, you know? <laughs> it's just awful. I'd be happy to run lines with you. Yeah, let me know if you need. Any. I'm. I've been doing this for a long time. Like not not in front of the camera, but like you know, I kind of know how this works. So if you need anybody, <laughs> Ashley, hi, hi me again, <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> hey, do you want me to get you something from Craft Services? Huh? Hi. Yeah, no. Hi, hi right here. Hi. Hey, Ashley, you're pretty young. Have you ever had tequila? <laughs> Yeah, we all we all do we all this. do a thing yeah. where we drink tequila. We go out after the shoot every day of the shoot, and we just like really just get deep into the night. That's just what happens around here because we're a fun group. I heard a lot of the guys are busy today, but I'll be there. Hey, Ashley, <laughs> it's me again. 
is planned definitely to be the only one there. Uh, so yeah, I felt bad the whole time watching that. Um, this scene in the observation lounge is so cheesy, like TOS cheesy, where they're having a little <laughs> party. Yeah. Um, people passing Wesley in the hallway are like craning their necks around and doing double takes and smiling like monsters at him. Yeah. Like, dude must be a fair dinkum legend on that ship. (laughs) (laughs) And they all know what he looks like. Yeah. They just see him and they're like, oh, that's fucking Wesley. Like, realistically, on a ship this size, it can't be that unusual to see a cadet walking around, right? Seriously. He can't be the only one that's ever been there. So Everyone is just really reacting hard to Wesley in the corridors, like during his dumb walk and talk with Data. Well, a lot of them are probably like, his uniform looks better than ours. When can we get that one? It looks slimming. That yeah, one. the black looks slimming, and the rest of this is not slimming. My, mine's bright yellow. I look fucking ridiculous. Does he have cargo pockets? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> we all have to pretend like the phasers somehow stick to our belts. <laughs> I have a key card, but I can't even carry it anywhere, because like, what am I supposed to do? Where do I put it? I'd love to put a granola bar in there for when I'm not on camera. <laughs> I just leave my key card on my desk and it's like not the point of the key card. Like then I always <laughs> leave it. I leave it every time. <laughs> if I had those pockets though, it'd be fucking set. That's it for me. <sighs> ben wants to know where's Tashi R and her anti-drugs talk now. Mm-hmm. And he says the highlight of Will Wheaton's acting career and possibly life comes at 42 <laughs> minutes and 50 seconds when he kisses Ashley Judd. I mean, it could be true. I don't, I, he definitely was not um, feeling good about acting anymore, and I don't know how much more he did. So that that could be the highlight right there. Uh, I've seen this episode 15 times, and this was the first time I noticed that Etano Jal has weird goat eyes. <laughs> There you go. He's got sideways goat pupils. I'd have critical watching, for sure. I only ever see the big lobes, the big forehead lobes. Yes, and you really, your eyes are drawn to the forehead. Um, The thing she's doing with this Sunday, the thing Troy is doing with this Sunday, is an attempt to seduce Riker because he just came back from Risa and she's got serious unaddressed issues, right? 100%. She's gonna this thing win where him you gotta back. Swirl the, you gotta swirl the fudge and dip the ice cream, and she's gonna win him back with the only power that makes sense in this universe: her V power. Yeah. Yes, I knew what it was. Her other power doesn't make any sense. And there's, by the way, just absolutely zero continuity on the amount of ice cream in the bowl in the various <laughs> shots. There. Each scene, there's different amounts. Which, Definitely made me wonder how much ice cream they made poor Marina eat while they were filming that. Yeah. Um. Thanks for the fucking close-ups on Gates McFadden faking it. I think she gets probably the best look at what a series of silent orgasms would look like. <laughs> well, it's good practice for her because that sex candle's going to do it to her. Well, that is true, too. Um, In the shot where... Wesley is picking out his outfit for the night. Someone had to make special space hangers that didn't look like regular hangers. <laughs> At least they like, did. 
they're all square and i imagine someone hand bending some sheet metal <laughs> to make hangers for him to hang all his sweaters on at least they did because how annoying would it be if there were just some regular ass hangers in there and you just went really uh, fucking 400 years past the, the hangers are exactly they the had same the paper paper flags on them from a, some dry cleaner <laughs> right oh i guess that They're was like, huh. the fucking peak of the technology the enterprise uses lee's dry cleaning <laughs> um ashley judd really hanging a lampshade on the whole format when she says about the games it's here this week next week we won't even know it existed <laughs> yes it is a hundred percent right in universe unfortunately that is true. <laughs> Unfortunate for her that next week they won't even know that she existed, but she doesn't know that. Yep. How did Wesley not see the headset over Picard's left shoulder <laughs> during the whole talk? As you said, Picard is spinning around from taking it off when he turns when Wesley walks in there. Mm-hmm. Then he turns around and picks it up again when he leaves. And I said, "Well, that thing was visible the whole time. <laughs> Wesley would have seen that the whole time." <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alyssa Ogawa is at level 47, the moaning level. Don't, don't even bring she, her into this. She got a different brief from everybody else I'm on what was supposed to be happening in that game. 47. There are probably 18 outtakes where she said something absolutely filthy <laughs> to Will Wheaton, and they couldn't use it. I just squirted a little. You're like, nope, hey, um, nope. that's not what we're going for. Again, I don't know why we have to keep telling you this. This is a syndicated program, um, so we can't use that, of course. Okay, um, didn't think I'd have to say this, but you, you cannot say to him, I come fast like a man. <laughs> shouldn't you, I shouldn't have to tell you that. I'm sorry, did you just... Did you just... He, he was in Stand By Me. You can't... <laughs> um, uh, I'm afraid you can't rub the front of your uniform like that. Nope. Or like that. You can't do either of those. <laughs> Don't do any rubbing. Let's just say no rubbing from now on. Uh, no, you can't clench and unclench your thighs over and over again. <laughs> I shouldn't have to say that either. <laughs> Uh, no, I think it's actually, I know it's only the early 90s, but I'm going to go ahead and get on a, on a limb here and say it's culturally insensitive for you to shout bonsai like that. I don't <laughs> think, I don't think we're going to do that on this episode. Save it though. Maybe later. Save it for something else. Uh, okay. Good take. Good energy, you guys. Uh, one thing you did say, come with me, Wesley. <laughs> yeah. You grew when you grabbed his wrist there and you said, come with me. We can't, we can't use that. You know, that's not usable. I feel like we told you 40 times already, but that's... We'll do another. Um, Matt, at the end of this episode, as you pointed out, Wesley gets a hard copy of Robin's Laws, and I almost threw my headset. Leffler's Laws was right there. <laughs> I know, it's alliterative. Robin's Laws? Yeah, it's not good. Also, that's definitely a word-a-day calendar with one page on the front, right? That says Robin's Laws. 100%. Looked like word-a-day calendar format to me. Yeah. I gave Best Actor to Alyssa Ogawa and Worst Actor to (laughs) Ashley Judd, constantly Uh, leaning forward and looking up at Wesley from under her eyebrows. What was that stance? Did you see it? Did you see it in all the 10 forward scenes where she's craned forward yes. looking up at him? That's where she got all those great acting gigs after that. Things like, um, k- Kiss the Girls. Is that her? 
Her along came a spider. Uh, which one is she in? God, dude. <laughs> which one with Morgan Freeman about a murder? Which one is she in? Her take on that character is that even when she's not under the influence of that thing, she's some kind of girl that was raised by animals like Nell. <laughs> it is a like Nell. what is the stance that she's doing? A there? Nell performance for sure. She really nails it. Yeah, nailed it hard. So. She got worst actor this week, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, Alyssa Ogawa really committed. One day I'll learn that actress's name. Yeah, I'm sure it's popped up on the screen, but I do not know it. Yeah, maybe she'll get a guest starring or featuring in uh, the one where they all de-evolve. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, she's in it. She's also in um, Lower Decks. There we go. Fuck. Yeah, she's in Lower Decks. It's hard to remember that. <clears throat> Oh, boy. So we're done, um, right? We did it. It's over. Yeah, we are done. And it's a pretty special week, Matt, because, uh, well, <laughs> the winner this week with 22 points is Deep Space Nine, The Ascent. Oh, and no. uh, that is a new low. I mean, the it feels previous, like it should be. <laughs> the previous low score among all the winners was 25 points. Mm. So... There are some measures by which this is the worst week of the show. Yeah, I'm checking right now. I have one week that I have rated worse than this for my scores, but you may not have any rated lower than this. Uh, it is. I'm looking for gold format. Oh, gold would be for the best. That's why I'm not yeah. seeing it. I don't think you. I think this is your lowest scored week. Uh, we both scored this an average of eight and a third points, <laughs> which is out of forty. Out of 40. Um, yeah, that's terrible. Uh, this is a 16 and two-thirds. There is, you'll be happy to know, a 16 and a half. That is week 90. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, had the episodes Night Terrors, Shattered Mirror, Living Witness, and Affliction. Affliction, <laughs> by the way, the previous record holder, because that was a 25-point episode that won the week. Ah, fucking shattered it. So that's a 16 and a half. Be real surprised if there was something even lower. Oh, by the way, I love, this seems like it shouldn't be possible. The high score this week was in world building. <laughs> yeah, It does that not never seem like happens. that should be possible. I mean, I did give TNG a four. So yeah, yeah, it got. Uh, that's how that happened. It got an average of four and two thirds, and that was the highest score it got this week. God, what a bad <laughs> week! Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Well, our second worst week of all time and our worst winner of all time um, puts us uh, puts us in great shape for next week. Week one hundred six, we'll be discussing unification part one. Oh, there we go. Getting into uh, some real business. Yeah. Filler season's over until the end of Unification Part 2. Then it's right Deep back Space, on. <laughs> Deep Space Nine treating us to an episode called Rapture. I think it is emissary related in some way. Uh, all right. Well, at least it's not another Odo. Two in a row was kind of tough. And uh, you will be describing the Voyager episode, Gravity. Oh, let's see. Star Trek Voyager Gravity. Let's see. I want to find out. Oh. What? Lori Petty? What's happening? Tank girl? Yeah, tank girl herself. At the peak of her powers? No. Well past the peak of her powers, tank girl. <laughs> 1999. Uh, 
yeah, I don't remember anything about this. So, okay, cool. All right, so it'll be new for both of us. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, next week will be a uh, mailbag. Stuff that bag, everybody. That's uh, at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you can't say stuff that bag. We're going to have to do another take. All right, That's... let me try another one. Um, everybody, what you can do for me is just go real deep and fill it up. The mailbag. And uh, that's at BrotherDate on the Twitter machine. Uh, you can go to BrotherDate.com. You can send us mail at brothers at BrotherDate.com. Um, Podcatchers such as uh, Podmania. I didn't invent that. That's a real one. Uh, Pod Brothers <laughs> is a good one. They're going to have it if you go down to... Uh, uh, pod shack or pod studio they're both gonna have it as well so also keurig.com has started <laughs> yeah. uh branched out a little bit they're doing podcasts now yeah a little bit of cross promotion it's just a good i think it's just a good bet for us um and that's it man and um i'm gonna go ahead and use the catchphrase because it's a star trek week as you believe so shall you do so shall you do as you believe. As you believe, so, so shall, shall you, you do. do. His dying message, he's <laughs> shitty about Quark. Yep. In the message he's leaving for posterity, where he explains where Quark's body is, he starts off with, Well, Quark failed. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Please subscribe.